Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into on a Tuesday, so let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Fernando Ramirez. Fernando, how are you? Hey, uh, I'm doing well, Arash. Thank you so much uh, for having me on. And obviously another interesting week in sports. <laughs> That's right. You know, we normally have you on on, on, on Mondays, but again, the uh, Chargers played a big Monday night game in New York uh, against the New York Jets. Um, you know, perhaps a must-win game for both teams when you see... Uh, you know, where the Jets are at, trying to get Dalen Rodgers amazingly, miraculously back this season if they're in playoff position. But now both teams are 4-4. Four and four. Fernando, your thoughts on the game? I thought you didn't want to have me on because uh, <laughs> I was, I was going to get on Caleb Williams. And, uh, and, and no, I'm kidding. Uh, it was an interesting game, Arash. I mean, we had talked about it all season. You and I had talked about it, this defense. When was this defense going to step up? When were they going to do what they needed to do? And clearly it was when Joey Bosa was feeling healthy last week. He told us after the Bears game, he's like, I'm starting to feel good. I'm starting to feel healthy. That showed tonight. Two and a half sacks, six combined tackles. Um, he had one uh, tackle for loss. He had a forced fumble, fumble recovery. Tui Tui Pelotu, uh, uh, what's, uh, USC alumni, two sacks. Khalil Mack, two sacks. This team was all over. This defense was all over Zach Wilson. Uh, they got to him in a night where where uh, where Justin Herbert and the offense weren't at their best. The defense stepped up, and I really think uh, that with these last two performances, this could be maybe the start of something. Now that Joey's healthy, maybe yes, the secondary is still it needs help. But with the pass rush of these three guys, maybe they can continue to win games uh, because of this pass rushing trio. Take me through the season. So this has been a team of consecutive streaks this season. They begin the season, they lose two, then they win two, then they got the bye week, then they lose two. Now they've won two. Uh, yep. So something's got to give. I mean, I, I would hate to think that now they, they're going to lose two. Uh, again, by <laughs> the way, it, it won't be simple. Uh, they they played Detroit back at home on uh, Sunday before they go on the road to play Green Bay. So what what's happened this season that they can never kind of get on a on a longer you know, good streak, and um, and what's your confidence that this can be their first three-game win streak of the season? Uh, I think, I mean, you, you'd hope that it would, but losing Josh Palmer yeah. for, uh, for four games, that's going to be really tough, especially because next week you play Detroit, and Detroit's no slouch. They're coming off their bye week. They're getting healthy. They're starting to get guys back. So that's going to be a tough ask for them to win that game next weekend. But if they do win that game, then I'll, I'll be impressed. I'll, 
I'll buy a little bit more stock into it because uh, they're they're a tough team. They're they're the Detroit's one of the better teams this season, but um, but I, I think it's been the offense clicks one game, the defense clicks the other game. They haven't been able to put that together. They haven't been able to uh, to consistently do something together, and that's kind of been the struggle. It's been the struggle of the defense does something, then the offense does like. You have to put it all together, and that's what they haven't done. But they're four and four. It could be a lot worse. Um, I mean, at least they are four and four. They they get this they get this victory tonight, or they got the victory last night. So um, so they're in a good place. But like you mentioned, there's a lot of tough games coming up. Even going to Green Bay, I know Green Bay's only won two games, but they're a tough ass. They they they're they're a tough ass to go up against. They're um, they're putting teams down. They're doing a really good job uh, on defense. Their offense is struggling, but still, it's gonna. These next few games are gonna be pretty tough uh, for the Chargers. You know, this team has shown an ability to put it on late in terms of during the season. Again, slow starts. We're all talking about the coaches on the hot seat, things like that. Uh, but they did it last season, and something tells me that they have it within them to do it again this season what is it about this team that kind of you know they 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 kind of work out the kings during the course of the season i mean obviously you you wouldn't like it to be this way you don't want to be four and four or six and six or something like that You, you you'd rather be more consistent but is there a reason is there something that you've seen why that it kind of takes them a while to figure things out uh, the injuries that happen yeah. to them, that's the thing. They, they always have key injuries. Last year it was Keenan. It was Mike. Uh, there were some other injuries on, on the team. Um, you lose Rashawn Slater for the year. This year, there's just two injuries that I don't think they're going to get back. And, and yes, right now, yeah, two-game winning streak. But I just don't, I just don't know if they're going to be able to make, to come back from this just because Corey Lindsley is a huge loss. I mean, the offensive line struggled to protect Justin tonight or on on Monday night. He was getting hit. He was getting. Uh, they were they were hitting him left and right. They sacked him uh, numerous times. So um, so that's kind of that's that's going to be a big ass without Keen or without Mike and without uh, Corey Lindsley to kind of continue. But if, I mean, if they can get Josh Palmer back, I mean, right now they're four and four. You're one game behind the Bengals with the Steelers, the Browns and the Bengals all at 5 and 3. You're only behind the Bills who are 5 and 4 and the Texans who are 4 and 4. So you're right there. You're in the mix for that wild card spot. The thing is, some of these injuries that they have, I just don't know if they can recover from them because uh, it's it's a pretty big ask. And then their offense struggled on Monday night and you're going to face the Detroit Lions team that has a, a they don't have a bad defense or they don't have a bad defense. Their offense is pretty good, so it's just it's gonna be that. I think that game is gonna be the one that tells us where the Chargers' season's headed. I think that's the make it or break it game for the Chargers. If they beat the Lions, and wow, okay, they may be able to do something. If they lose, then it really is gonna be like okay, yeah, there's a reason to get excited, but at the same time, I just don't know if they're gonna make uh, go very far without uh, Mike and without uh, Corey Lindsley. Fernando, I, I want to get your thoughts on a story that got a lot of headlines. Um, Tom Telesco, and again, you take us through kind of what you know about the story. But, you know, Tom Telesco apparently apologizing for the J.C. Jackson contract. Again, very rare for uh, a GM to do that. Uh, your th- thoughts on that? 
very rare for a general manager or anything to get out like that until the season's kind of over too. So yeah, that was a little strange. Uh, I I, I want to see what JC Jackson has to say about uh, about that down the line. They play the Chargers in a couple of weeks, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. But uh, but obviously, I mean JC Jackson. He, he would speak to the media and tell us, look, I'm trying everything I can to get back. But then when you talk to some of the players, I mean, you could tell Michael Davis just was not. Uh, he spoke to us at, right after he got traded. And uh, and he said, look, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to get uh, now I don't have to fight him. I felt like we were competing for the same position, the same uh, position and everything. Now he's gone. Now I can focus myself. So it just seemed like, except for Derwin James, I, I haven't heard anybody really have anything kind of not positive, but like nobody's <laughs> really said anything like, oh, yeah, he was a big this, he was a that. They, uh, he, he was a big time addition for the Chargers. It just didn't work out. And I just don't think he fit the scheme. And we've seen this before, Raj. We've seen Bill Belichick drafted guys go elsewhere and yeah. they really can't do well, and then they come back to Bill Belichick, and then they play a lot better than what it was originally. So moving forward, I just think that this there's still going to be a cloud this season around this story. I don't think this is the last we've heard of this story. And like I said, the charge in a couple of weeks play the Patriots. I'm sure he's going to want to get his hands on a couple of interceptions and uh, and get revenge on the Chargers. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, um, but yeah, no, this story is very, uh, very, very interesting, and it seems like – they're like once you think, oh, okay, it's over. Like here comes another wrinkle. Here comes another wrinkle. So mm. I just I don't think uh, I don't think this story is uh, done by any means. You know, because I guess there's two ways to look at it. I mean, you you could say kudos to Tom Telesco for taking some accountability for a bad uh, signing, but then at the same time, you could we've we've talked about this uh, for quite some time. You know, Tom Telesco. Um, if they do choose to part ways with the head coach, I, I don't see how you can't part ways with the GM too. It is extremely rare for a GM to be allowed to hire. I don't know. Just San Diego. Yeah. I brought, that's a good point. <laughs> okay. But I mean, so how do you view this? Do you view this as kudos Tom Telesco or do you view it as like, no. okay, exactly. No, this is, this is another Tom Telesco kind of mistake when it comes to signings. I mean, he's done this in the past. He did it with, uh, Derek Cox back in San Diego. That was his, one of his big. Uh, that was one of his big free agent signings as he first came in. Didn't work out. There's been numerous. Uh, there's been quite a few guys that he assigned, given big money to, and it just hasn't worked out. So uh, usually it's those those other guys, the ones that he kind of gives a one year contract. They usually turn turn. They end up outplaying their contract and they do a good job, but. For some reason, it just uh, it hasn't materialized. Um, it didn't materialize with uh, with JC Jackson, and now you're kind of thinking like, okay, well, what's next? I mean, Tom's always been of the theory of you draft him, you coach him, you pay him, or you develop him, and even that hasn't worked at times. I mean, we've seen some of these draft picks. 2019, Jerry Tillery is a perfect example. Yeah. They tried, it didn't work out. It ended ugly. They ended up cutting him. He goes to the Raiders. I mean, there's other instances of that. So. It kind of has been a mixed bag. Like, yes, he has drafted uh, Justin Herbert. Yes, he has drafted Joey Bosa. Yes, Derwin James. But then there's also the Jason Verrett's, the Jerry Tillery's. The I mean, and Jason Verrett would have been a great addition if he could have stayed healthy. But that's another thing that's always been on the Chargers, if they can stay healthy. 
you know, so you touched on it the Patriots way, or, you know, I mean, has not really worked. I mean, for a, a coach who's generally considered maybe the greatest head coach in pro football history, his, his coaching tree is not that good. And we just saw an example of that recently when the Las Vegas Raiders parted ways with not only Josh McDaniels, but GM Dave Ziegler. And uh, I've never seen a locker room celebrate like that. You know, again, the, the, uh, <laughs> you thought they just won the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, because the other thing is, I mean, the Giants may be one of, if not the worst team in the league, but I mean, they, they were, you know, uh, smoking cigars. Jerry Tillery was there <laughs> celebrating as it well with, with Max Crosby. Um, your thoughts there? I mean, I, I don't think they're going to go on a run like they did previously uh, no. under Rich Pasaccia. But uh, your thoughts on that? Look, this is the thing with the Bill Going back to that Bill Belichick tree. The thing, in my opinion, Arash, that happens is guys come in with, with a lot of uh, bravado, a lot like... They act like they're Bill Belichick coming yeah. in, and players smell BS from a mile <laughs> away. They smell it, and they're like, what the – like, who are you? Like, you're not Bill Belichick. You're like, yeah, you're from his tree, but you're not Bill Belichick. Like, get out of here. So, obviously, that is uh, that is uh, the thing. Like, they come in thinking that they are Bill, and they're not, and players can smell it, and so they, they send them – they tell them, kick rocks. So, um, so that that's the problem with Bill Belichick disciples. I mean, we've seen it. Numerous times, you know, it's funny. He actually lasted longer with the Broncos than he did with the Raiders. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously from those, he lasted longer uh, than being the Colts head coach. He was only the Colts head coach for like a day or half a day or something. But, uh, but I, I do think that it's very impressive. I think they did a great job. But the thing is, is that um, moving forward, can you continue doing that? And that's the thing I don't know. I think they did a great job. I think, yeah, obviously you get the first one, but remember Jeff Saturday won his first one last year too, and then couldn't really get it going after that. Aiden O'Connell had a great game, but remember it's the Giants. The Giants aren't that good of a football team. They they just lost Daniel Jones, so I just don't think that uh, I don't think that it's plausible that they'll make the playoffs. But it's a great story, and and oh hey, like yeah, we've done some good stuff. But I just don't think that they'll they'll match that run. I'm sure they'll get a couple of um, they'll get a couple of uh, moves and stuff. But I don't think, uh, I, and honestly, I don't think they're in line for Lincoln Riley. I don't think they're in line for any of those guys. I think a good solid addition would be Frank Smith from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he's a former coach that used to coach there. I think he coached tight ends when he was with the uh, when he was with the Raiders, and guys really liked him. So I think Frank Smith is the OC of the Miami Dolphins right now. I think he'd be a good addition for the Raiders. I think he could do uh, some stuff with them, but stop recycling coaches. Don't bring up Lincoln. Lincoln Riley has his own issues down with the <laughs> with USC. Jim Harbaugh. I don't think Jim Harbaugh would take that job because that team doesn't look like they're anywhere near ready. Um, Jim Harbaugh would probably the only two jobs that I could see him taking. I mean, it just depends on the organization as well, but the chargers or the Browns, I mean, those are the only two teams that I could see him really being interested in uh, the bears. I heard, but I just don't believe it just because you'd have to like, yeah, you have top draft picks, but you have to develop those young kids too. Last time when he went into the 49ers, like they already had the core developed. They just needed uh, that kind of that spark. So um, but yeah, that's just my opinion on the Raiders moving forward. Let me get your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh because I think it's a 
fascinating name. And when you think about the beginning of his coaching career, as you know, it began in San Diego, the University of San Diego. He had a cup of coffee as a quarterback with the Chargers back in the day, I believe. And so, I mean, he has uh, the other thing about him is he's not sort of this wild card where he's a good college coach, but you don't know how that's going to transfer. I mean, he's proven himself uh, when he took over. He's not Urban Meyer. He's not Urban Meyer. I mean, what he did in San Francisco is incredible. He doesn't get enough credit for it i don't believe okay so as someone who kind of grew up in san diego and you saw him begin his coaching career um your thoughts on jim harbaugh i honestly thought the Chargers were going to hire him before san francisco did i thought they'll fire north turner they'll bring him in and uh and they'll get him going i thought that's what he was i thought that that was his ascension like go to stanford a couple of years then go into the league and, and maybe become the chargers head coach because he was a former quarterback they never yeah. did it and uh, obviously kind of a mistake, uh, but uh, they held on to North Turner way too long. Yep. Um, but I, I think that Jim Harbaugh would come in and, okay, let's just say the party's short, short-lived. Like maybe if, if he, if he kind of runs out of flavor after three, four years, with the team that, I mean, I'm just saying, like with, with teams that are ready to go, that's all he needs is two or three years to like, he probably needs one full like he needs one season then one full off season to really get a team going so uh so i think in the perfect situation jim harbaugh could come in and turn the fortunes around on a team but one he has to uh, he has to be able to see eye to eye with the general manager or if ownership is going to give him full control then that too but uh, i just think that jim harbaugh would come in and i think he changed the culture the only thing is He's a he's a, a hard ASS. He's yes. um, he's old school. He's not going to take any of this BS that you see other coaches take. So uh, he's old school like that. And, and hey, that's not a guy that's going to come in. And if he's a hard ASS, you know, hey, he's one. If we listen to him, will uh, and and it seems like the players really love him. I mean, I remember the 49ers, Like as soon as I remember, uh, Vernon Davis was at the point where he was about to get released by the 49ers uh remember can't win with them can't coach with them can't do it that's right so um and all of a sudden he turns into it i mean he was already an all pro tight end but he really turned out to be a great tight end and and he i remember when they beat the saints he comes running off and the first person he hugs is jim harbaugh Mm. so if a team was able to get jim harbaugh i think he could turn things around Especially because, hey, guess what? He's been in the college game. He knows who's coming out in the draft. He knows guys to get. He has an eye for talent. Clearly, Michigan is one of the best. Uh, and all, all that crap. By the way, Ross, yeah. I just have to get into that. <laughs> yeah, that to me is the dumbest thing. So you are expecting me to believe that players, I'm talking about players, <laughs> players who sometimes don't know their own playbook, who have to deal with classes and everything, they know the signs from the other team? Come on, dude. Like, you really expect, like, some of these guys don't even know their own playbook, and you expect me to think that they're going to know the opposing team signs? Like, that just to me is ridiculous. I just think it's them trying to kick John uh, Jim Harbaugh out. Yeah. And fine, kick him out. He'll just go back into the NFL. If he can win a national championship this year, it'll be a middle finger to college football. Yeah. And come back to the NFL and try and win a Super Bowl. I think that'd be, if he wins a Super Bowl in a national championship, and, and then wow, I'll be really impressed with him. But I think Jim Harbaugh's better than a lot of the candidates out there for a team that's ready to win now. 
My last question for you. You got two minutes here. I've been so impressed with the way San Diego has embraced soccer. They've set the NWSL. They're, they're, they're hosting the championship. Unfortunately, San Diego won't be in the game, but they're, but they're getting the crowds of 30,000 for that. And again, they, the, the Padres didn't have a great season, but they came out and supported them. You know, San Diego gets knocked and we've knocked them from time to time as a <laughs> sports town, but I mean, they really embrace soccer and listen, Dave, when you put out a good product, they show up. So, uh, yeah, speak on your um, hometown. Uh, I, I think it's a great sports town. No, it, it is. But the thing is that they're fair weather in a sense. Like, sure. they're yeah. a military town. So there's a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds. So I get it. But at the same time, that's kind of the Chargers curse. I mean, what what a perfect way for the wave to come in and, and uh, win a championship in San Diego in, in one of the first few seasons where they just couldn't do it. Uh, but I, I mean, obviously you wish that it, like tonight they, or last night, they put up a banner for second place in the national championship <laughs> of basketball. Like that's a consolation prize to me. Like that's a participation uh, award. I, I'm not about that, but I get it. I, it's university. I get it. But at the same time, they, the thing is they need to do better. I mean, they, they really need to, um, they need to do a better job of trying to win. I know that they have this new MLS for the MLS team. That's a great sign that they're selling yeah. out all these soccer games because they're coming in now. Like I've told you, Rush before, they need to make a splash signing. They need to yeah. bring in somebody big to really get the needle moving. I don't know who it's going to be, but you need to go get somebody big. You saw what Messi did. I'm not saying go get a Messi or whatever. Yeah. But if you can get a big time player, then you'll be able to move the needle in San Diego, whether it be a big time Mexican star or a European star. But you need to go get somebody. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but a great soccer uh, community and uh, listen, I mean, they, they, they built that facility, uh, you know, obviously for San Diego State, but to host professional soccer. So well done, San Diego. I can't wait to go uh, ch- check it out myself. Fernando, I will see you on Sunday, hopefully, my friend. Uh, great job. And let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by the Sporting Tribune's Rand Mona talking about James Harden's debut with the Clippers when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bat in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Rush Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, just a just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, I want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii. Call our hotline 310-400-0340. Right, let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of uh, hype around my Clippers. There's a lot of <laughs> hype around the Rams not doing well, Arash. But uh, we move. We move forward. I know. We will get to it all. Uh, so, Grant, I was there last night, Madison Square Garden, James Harden's debut with the Clippers. Um, listen, you know, just talking to Ty Lue, uh pregame, he knew it would take some time. The number he's kind of put on it is about 10 games. Um, you know, it may take longer, uh, but he, he said about 10 games. And so, uh, you know, things don't go their way on Monday night against the Knicks. They uh, regroup. Uh, I, I think this is actually good for them to be on the road and in one one city for a few days. They uh, get tomorrow to kind of uh, regroup, maybe have a, a private practice or something. And then on Wednesday, they play the Brooklyn Nets. But uh, again, first game, James Harden's debut with the Clippers on Monday night, Madison Square Garden, the spotlights on him. Your thoughts on the game? Uh, yeah, it was disjointed. It was... <laughs> um... There's a lot of confusion out on the floor. Uh, you saw that. I mean, Paul George was 2 of 11 from the field. Um, and James Harden wasn't even the issue. Rosh, it was mainly the guys around him. And, um, you know, unfortunately, Mason Plumley went down with a knee yeah. injury. And it looks like it's going to be pretty bad. So they're going to have to address that. You can't just go into the season again with one center. But if we're looking at the, the performance of the four stars, I guess you could say, Russell Westbrook was fine. He had some lapses turnover-wise. James Harden, 17.6 rebounds, or excuse me, six assists mm -hmm. on good efficiency. I mean, that's pretty good for your first game after, you know, having four days to kind of learn the game plan and all that. Kawhi and Paul George just looked a little bit off in terms of, you know, who gets the ball where. And look, we, we kind of knew that. Um, Paul George and, and Kawhi were, were going to kind of be the guys that are going to be playing off ball most. Um, Russell Westbrook didn't really look that great off ball, but I think that he'll get it together. He looked great in that first quarter. I mean, he had nine quick points in that first quarter, and Russell Westbrook looked like the the leading guy in, in that four-unit uh, four star lineup, I guess you could say. But um, look, Julius Randle was struggling. He came in and knocked down every shot that he threw up there. So you can chalk it up to the Knicks playing really, really good basketball at home. But in terms of you know what the Clippers can be, I see a lot of good things. You know, I saw a lot of good things last night to where I can see it. You know, working out. James Harden, if he's the you know primary ball handler, it looked like he could do a pretty good job of that. He was getting Ivica Zubats in the pick and roll, and um, I just think that it, it will take time, Arash. And yeah, I think you saw that firsthand. Is that it's just not going to mesh immediately, quickly. And um, th this is a team that's going to be fine. I still feel like they're three and three right now. They're zero and three on the road. I mean, I know they played the Lakers. It was kind of a, <laughs> yeah, a home right. game, yeah. anyways. But but they're three and zero at home. 0-3 oh on the road. So this team is kind of middling right now, but they have a lot of things to sort out. They're going to get a backup center. They're going to get a, probably another forward because they are very undersized at this point. Um, so it's going to be a process, and that you know that game last night was was the first indication of that. Man, what moves are there to be made? Again, I think you're 100% right. They uh, do have to make the moves that you've talked about, but you're talking about a team uh, that really did trade a lot of their kind of tra tradable pieces. Uh, they don't really have a ton of draft picks to speak of to trade. Uh, what can they realistically do right now? 
Uh, you know, right now you're just going to have to look at the veteran minimum market. You're going to have to look at guys like, you know, you could take a flyer on a guy like Kai Jones, who was released from the Hornets, um, but he still has a lot of talent left if you can sort out his his mental issue or whatever was going on with him in Charlotte. That would be a huge boost to that second unit. You can go with, you know, guys that played over, overseas, DeMarcus Cousins, Hassan Whiteside, Dwight Howard. You can go get a guy like Nerlens Noel. Those guys are all pretty serviceable. Look, you don't need this center that they're going to get to be some world stopper. You don't need him to be at the level defensively of Ivica Zubats. You don't need him to be at the offensive level of a Miles Turner or a Nikola Jokic. You don't need that. You just need a guy that's serviceable. And there are plenty. I think that the, the center position is the, the easiest to fill. Um, if you need a veteran and on a minimum, I think that's one of the easiest positions to fill in the NBA. So that one, I'm not really worried about. I am worried because Mason Plumlee was such a great part of this team and it looks like he's going to be out for a while i'm praying that it's not but it just did not look good in terms of forward help you're gonna have to either swing a trade or wait for the buyout market because the clippers don't have any they barely have any draft picks left they traded a lot of capital for james harden already they're kind of going in on this all guard all you know Kawhi pg experiment and it you know i know it's one game we're kind of overreacting here yeah but sure there are some concerns moving forward if you look at the outlook of who you're going to have to go up against LeBron's of the world KD's of the world Aaron Gordon's and Jokic's of the world even the Wolves who looked great last night against the Celtics you're going to have to go up against Gobert and Towns you need size and the Clippers just don't have it right now they're going to have to address that it's so interesting what they what they do. But again, you know, I mean, sometimes these kind of flyers, and again, I'm not saying they're going to get Dwight Howard, but I'll use Dwight Howard as an example. You know, when DeMarcus Cousins went down for the Lakers in 2020, uh, Dwight was essentially out of the league. They, they signed him to a non-guaranteed contract. So, I mean, sometimes when you put, when you, when, when, when you give a guy a chance that no one else has given a chance to, uh, you'll, you'll be surprised. So we'll, we'll see what they do there. Uh, thoughts on the Plumley? It seemed like a very, I, 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 Julius is not that type of a player, I don't think, but I mean, it just seemed like a very careless move, right? Yeah, I'm not going to entirely blame it on Julius Randle. It was a little bit reckless, and especially it was the first half. Um, you know, he lost the ball and just dove straight into Mason Plumley's leg, and it just looked like a very reckless move. I'm not going to blame Randall because he was still going after the ball. He wasn't trying to hurt sure. Mason Plumley, but um, you know, in terms of the injury, it, it looked like a, a serious knee injury. He couldn't even put any weight on it yeah. coming off the floor. So that's what really concerns me. And to have to lose a guy like that this early in the season for the Clippers, it just brings them right back to where they were last year, where they didn't really have that backup center until February when they got Mason Plumley. So for this team, I mean, you look at it and you say, okay, well now you know we. Really Really didn't have that depth size wise to begin, and now you lose your your backup big who has been playing pretty good. I mean, Plumlee has been playing pretty good basketball over six games, so it's a tough situation. But I, I just wish the best for Plumlee because he's a great guy. He took less money to come to the Clippers, and it just sucks to see it happen like that. Uh, you touched on it. The Clippers now three and three, zero oh and three on the road. Three of their next four are on the road again. Uh, Wednesday night at Brooklyn, Friday against the Mavericks in Dallas, coming home to play Grizzlies, and then uh, a big game uh, Tuesday, November fourteenth at the Denver Nuggets. I don't know where where would you like to see this team be uh, over the, that stretch. 
I mean, at this point in the season, Arash, I thought they'd be a lot better than three and three. And I think a lot of Clipper fans can can attest to that over these next four games. I mean, look, I, I've been saying this on the show and I've been saying it on our podcast for a while is that there are no easy teams to beat in this league anymore. You have to show up night in and, and night out. It was just the case last night against the Knicks. It was a Knicks team that was struggling at home. Uh, their star player was not doing that well. Jalen Brunson didn't even shoot that well, and they yeah. beat the Clippers pretty handily with a new team. So uh, I think best-case scenario is 3-1 and one in the next four, but that is still going to be so tough. I mean, look, even playing Brooklyn tomorrow, you're going to have a team that – coming in is scoring the lights out of the ball. Cam Thomas had 41 last night. Mikel Bridges had 31. This is a team that's not going to keel over. Nobody's going to keel over anymore like they were last year and previous years. So three and one is best case scenario. I just think that the star talent on the Clippers is going to outweigh a lot of the, the, I guess, initial chemistry issues. So their talent will win them some of these early games with James Harden just because they have so much star talent. But it's not going to be easy, Arash, and, and that goes for not just these next four games, but the rest of the year. I mean, you look at a lot of teams around the league right yeah. now, and it's going to be tough. Uh, Non-Clippers question for you, because I was going to go to the Clippers-Nets game, but I'm actually going to go to the uh, Victor Wembanyama first game at Madison Square Garden, and we just seeing what he's doing. What, what's, what's your thoughts from afar? Uh, there's just so many viral highlights and moments already a few games into the year. Yeah, Victor Wembanyama. I mean, coming into the year, we knew he was going to be good, but we I think we all thought he would take a lot of time just because of his thin frame, you know, learning the speed of the game of the NBA, you know, finding his spots, how do they use him. And that game against Phoenix was something special where he had 38 points. I mean, he looked, I mean, and I saw a tweet, I forgot who it was, I wish I could credit them, but they, somebody put out an, an X or a tweet that said, this is the worst that Victor Webanyama is going to look in his career. And it's true, <laughs> because he's only going to get better. And if he's scoring 38 points against a Phoenix team that is still very good, they had Kevin Durant guarding him for a lot of the game. And for him to score 38 against Phoenix, and then you know follow that up with another 20-plus point game, this guy is going to keep getting better. He's done things already in these first six games that I've never seen on a basketball court. The way he can dominate a game, even down the stretch, his fourth quarter stats are insane. I think he's leading the league in a lot of categories in the fourth quarter when you need a guy the most. And as a rookie, as a 19-year-old, he is coming into this league and just changing it. Even Kevin Durant said, like, he's he's going to pave his own lane. He's going to pave his own way. He's not like anybody we've ever seen. So I, I, I concur with that statement that Kevin Durant said. And I just think that for Victor, even if he learns a little bit more throughout the season, I think he's, he's going to be an all-star this year, Arash. I really do. And it will be the first rookie since Blake Griffin, a Clipper, to get to that all-star game in his rookie year. I think he's going to do it. All right, switching gears, uh, Grant. Uh, again, no, uh, we didn't have it high expectations for the Rams going to Lambeau Field to play the Packers without Matthew Stafford. That being said, kind of a close game for, through the first half. Uh, could not win. Um, okay, so now they go into the bye week. It does seem like Stafford is on track, uh, I believe, to return. Mm -hmm. uh, your thoughts on the Rams? Are, they're kind of at this crossroads where it's like you got to decide what, what you're going to do because this is where I was afraid, where they'd be a 500 team. and it doesn't That, that doesn't help anybody out. I'd rather them be really right. bad and get a high draft pick. But uh, your thoughts on them now? 
Yeah, the, you know, two bad games in a row, and it's just so unfortunate that Matthew Stafford couldn't go against the Packers because the Packers did not look good at all, and they yeah. still kind of handily beat the Rams. They, I mean, Brett Ripien, he, he's just not the answer at quarterback, and I, I know that they could have gotten guys like Carson Wentz, and they could have, you know, picked up a veteran QB like Cam Newton, but for this Rams team, there's a lot of issues besides quarterback already. Um, the defense hasn't looked as good as it did against San Francisco and Philadelphia and held their own. Um, the offensive play calling, some of the play calls by Sean McVay are questionable. I know that there's a lot on his plate and he's trying to do the best that he can. Um, but some of these play calls, you know, punting when you're in your own, when you're in the other team's zone, when you have a chance to get points on the board, that's just questionable to me, especially when you don't have a, a quarterback that you have confidence in. For the Rams, things are going downhill pretty quickly, but they're, you know, like I say, a lot of the time, there is a lot of football left to play. There's yeah. literally a half of a season left to play. And the Rams are still, I know they're three and six, but they're still kind of in the hunt for an NFC playoff spot just because the NFC really isn't that good anymore. You look around the league and I mean, the commanders are four and five. The, the Buccaneers are three and five. Like there's a bunch of three and five, four and four, four and five teams that you can maybe sneak in if you get Stafford healthy after that bye week, which I do think that he'll be back because, yeah. you know, he was ramping up this week to try to play this week. So if you give him another two weeks, I think he'll be all right. But for the Rams, do you even want to do that after you see like kind of some of the performances that Penix is putting up, Caleb Williams is putting mm -hmm. up, Drake May is putting up, Bo Nix is putting up? The Rams right now have a top 10 draft pick in the NFL draft where they can just go out and get a lot of guys. So do you want to go and win? I do still think that they're going to try, but they have their first round pick, Arash. They didn't have it last year. Yeah. So why not, you know, they, they have... They have two ways to go. They're on a teeter-totter. You yep. can either fall to do good in the draft or just fall the other way and do good to get a playoff spot. Yeah, so because we're, we're going to have to see. I, I, you bring up a great point, Grant. I mean, I was amazed that I'm looking at the playoff picture, and they, and I think they said the Rams have a 15% chance. And I'm like, 15? I'm not saying that's, like, that's not like a, like a high percentage, but I, I thought it was going to be a lot lower than that. Um, yeah. Does... does Caleb's season change. I mean, I still think he's the uh, surefire slam dunk top pick. But again, because here's the amazing thing, Grant. He's leading college football in you know touchdown throws and um, yardage and like all these. I mean, if if he had a half decent defense, I mean, he didn't even need a good defense. If they had a half decent defense, I think he's in the Heisman uh, contention again. Um, who do you, I mean? Is Caleb still the guy that you would want, or is there someone else who's kind of piquing your um, interest right now? Now, I, I do think that Caleb Williams is still going to be the de facto number one pick, just because if you look, even if you look at the losses that USC is is having, it's not on Caleb. Maybe you can point to that Notre Dame game where he threw three picks, but even in that game, he was running for his life because the offensive line didn't really give him much protection. So, yeah, the defense, look, if, if he had a halfway decent defense, Arash, like you said, he'd probably be up there, and the USC would probably be in the top ten, yeah. um, and that would boost his his stock a lot. But I think for the Rams, if you're in this top 10 draft order and you have an opportunity to go get a guy like Penix or Bo I've seen Penix in a lot of dr mock drafts already falling really late in the first round, honestly, mm. and even in the second round. So if that's the case and you're the Rams, I would go after a offensive tackle first. 
Interesting. Because you can get a very quality offensive tackle and then get a quarterback in the second round. If you can get Penix in the second round or something like that, that's probably the best case scenario for you because they still need offensive line help, but mm-hmm. they also need a co- quarterback of the future. So, like I said, it's a teeter-totter, Arash. Like, they could go the other way and have a mid-first-round draft pick, or they could just completely go forward and get a top-five draft pick. And then you could pick from Drake May or, or a Caleb Williams, if you want, or a Marvin Harrison Jr., which I don't think they will, but you have that pick. So for the Rams, it's you can go all in, and or you can go all out and just settle with a playoff spot at this point, and you still won't probably win a title. So. Grant, your uh, thoughts on USC and Lincoln Riley finally parting ways with Grinch. Um, you know, the, the defense was historically bad. It has been for quite some time. Uh, the reason that I tweeted that it was too little too late is that, listen, they're about to board a plane for Eugene, like, in a few days, and they're going to give up 60 points there. I mean, and that's Grinch's team and his players and a scheme. Um I, I, I'm just frustrated that they didn't make a move following last season's Pac-12 championship performance against Utah and the performance against Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. But um, your thoughts on that? I mean, at least the move is, was made because there, there there was a chance that this guy was going to be like, he's my friend. He's going to figure <laughs> it out. Your thoughts on finally Grinch is gone. Oh, it's the right move, but like you said, Arash, it's just too late. I mean, this should have happened after that Pac-12 championship loss anyways. This should have happened a lot sooner. And, you know, you ask every USC fan, you every USC alum, every current USC student what they would have done, and they would have got rid of him after that game as well. It was mm-hmm. just a very questionable move to keep him. I know you brought in some defensive guys to kind of a little bit maybe shore up some things, and it just didn't work. It wasn't enough. Um, they don't really have that recruiting, that Pete Car- that pull that Pete Carroll had back in the day where you could get power five defensive linemen and these really high-quality defensive players. And Lincoln Riley's a great recruiter, but he's a great offensive recruiter, and he's been a really good at that. They found some gems. But in terms of of Alex Grinch, it was time. I'm just curious to see who they go with next. Um, there are a lot of options, and you know, I, I think anybody that they bring is probably going to be a little bit better, um, at least. Um, and I do think that they're going to probably focus on that in the off season in recruiting. Is focus on that defense because they're going to bring in the offensive players. That's just going to happen when you have Lincoln Riley at that school. And there's a lot of heat on Lincoln Riley right now. I understand it. USC fans are frustrated. I get it. But I, I don't think the, the heat should be directed at him per se. Cause look, this was a team that was four and eight a couple years ago. And now here they are winning at least. Um, so it, it was the right move, Arash, for, with Grinch. But I'm just curious to see who they go after. Cause I, I, I want to see somebody really elite come in there and, and change that program for good. Really quick, 60 seconds. Is, is there a chance? Is there some kind of way that USC can find a way to? beat the Ducks in Eugene. I mean, I'm just hoping for a close game. But, you know, I mean, if they can win these next two games, they do have a chance to get into the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, you know, I said this last week, and I, I'm going to say it again. There's always a chance when you have Caleb Williams playing. And, you know, USC, whatever you want to say about the team, they played well against Washington. They played good against Washington. They were in the game. They were in the game at Utah. There's so many games they were in that they could have won. And, I guess I'm kind of just being optimistic and just saying, well, you know, as long as they have a good offense, they have a chance because I say this every week, but 
it's not looking likely, but Arash, like I've said before, if you have an elite offense and you get the defense to play just a little bit better, maybe getting rid of Grinch helps that. Maybe you have a chance. So you know, I know it's Eugene, I know it's the Ducks, and I know it's a great offense over there. But hey, it's USC, and I'm I'm gonna go all in on saying they have a chance again. I mean, it'd be weird for one win to kind of erase all the faults of the season. But I mean, if they were to go to Eugene and beat this team that's this juggernaut that they, I mean, the, the fact that they, they just beat Cal like 62-19 or something, right. that, that would uh, that would be incredible. Again, I don't think it'll happen. I, I don't even want to allow myself to think it because I, <laughs> I don't think it'll be a close game, but hopefully it is. And hopefully USC finds a way to win. Uh, Grant, you're the best um Bro, we had you on three times last week, so maybe we'll have oh, you yeah. on a couple of times this week. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, that's what we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.